Scene 5. Links to the Rescue. Amphitheater at Thor's base, Shentelpiece City, Hawk Moon Day, Terse. Morning, 10th of April, 1284. Yee-haw! Leaning back on the dwarven shield, Link sticks out his feet and trails a hand behind him to break his speed down the watercourse. He's going too fast. Two ornate wooden flowers guard the lip of the aqueduct, and his feet slam into them so hard the wooden petals fly off. The shield gets swamped with water on one side, flipping him upside down. As his legs dangle over the reflecting pool, Lynx grips the base of one wooden flower with his right hand and keeps hold of the shield, flapping in the spray with his left. Down below, the spectacle upends the audience, but the three polar elves prove their scholarly prowess by pulling out source stones and magicka wands to help Lynx back up onto the aqueduct. Florence knows exactly what he is doing, so she announces to the crowd, Illustrious fire elves, I beg you, keep your calm. In the wake of the goblins' attack, my father has decided to tighten up our security procedures and introduce some radical reforms. He has received credible reports that the Inquisition has arrived at Tuscarora Mountain and has contrived a number of ingenious traps to ambush them. Please remain seated and calm. All these measures will make sense shortly. Monsieur Lynx, do you have a progress report for us? Um, yes. I've got an important public service announcement to make. Our noble umpire-in-chief, who has personally sponsored my commission in the Ivy League, has come up with a cunning plan in mind to, uh, eliminate the threats to our homeland security. Right now, the current project I'm working on is a top secret, but will, uh, eliminate those threats. His words make no sense, but public service announcements rarely do, so no one notices. He continues. Right now, we are experiencing some technical difficulties, so you can go right along with the program for this Thor's Enlightenment discourse, and and I'll, I mean, we'll finish up this important public service project uh, shortly. Florence resumes. So now, without further ado, I introduce three elves renowned for their wisdom, Hakim Melchior, Mage Gasper, and Sage Balthazar. With brown skin and black hair, a stout chest, long arms, and pointy ears, Hakim Melchior's physical characteristics defy all ethnic stereotypes. On his head sits an ornate red silk turban, and he wears a decorated red leather vest and red velvet sash over a green silk shirt. His green pants are puffy, while his red shoes stick out far enough to flop at the toes. He says in runic with a thick polar elf accent, May God bless ye, merry fire elves of Tuscarora Mountain. Tidings of comfort and joy to one and all. We three elves from Oregon are bearing gifts we have traveled from afar. Across snowy tundra, through torrid valleys, and over grand canyons we have followed the northern star, leading us unto ye, our cherished fire elf cousins. Instead of one big gift to your community, we decided to hand out a few little gifts to each of your families. To keep them together, we tucked the gifts into a new stocking, which we offer as a bonus gift. Now, let us explain the first gift. A needle. Beneath the earth run ley lines that harness and channel the power of the elements. Sorcerers call the site where these ley lines converge the North Pole. The needle we bring unto ye is actually a thin piece of lodestone. When perfectly balanced and suspended from a string, it will unerringly point the way to the convergence of those lay lines. 
We, the Ulanissa, now call ourselves Polar Elves, because over a century ago, a group of dedicated mages, philosophers, sages, alchemists, geomancers, and astrologers teamed up and founded an underground city with a complex of workshops on our pole, the northernmost convergence of ley lines. This oasis of learning includes an observatory, a prismatic greenhouse for growing magicka trees, a vast library of books in every field of learning, and a research station with workshops in the fields of sorcery, alchemy, noetics, tectonics, and astrology. Any scholar would need nothing more than to follow that needle and the light of the North Star to calculate where to find us at the North Pole. For nearly a hundred years, we have given each visitor a share in our knowledge without price. In recent years, the number of visitors to our workshops has declined drastically for several reasons. In the first place, most races prefer to dwell in Middle-earth, where clement weather prevails and seasonal changes are pleasant. Polar North can only be found in Upper Earth, that inclement region of our world where adventurers seldom dare explore. Several well-meaning scholars have hired parties of adventurers to escort them out to the North Pole to visit our workshops, since these needles will always point to the convergence of the ley lines until they crisscross over the North Pole itself. They assumed that they would traipse across Upper Earth along the Oregon Trail until their needles fell into an X shape. Unfortunately, their calculations were off, their learning was superficial, and their adventurous spirit was easily chilled. They did not heed our maps, which clearly stated, Warning! Ley lines pulse and shift. Each year the convergence of ley lines migrates, and unlike the adventure tales, in real true sorcery, X never ever marks the spot. The most important part of sorcery is done in the library. A hundred years ago, our workshops were directly over the North Pole. Had they done their research, they could have tracked the ley line drift over the years and traced it back to our exact location. Instead, they found the polar wastes barren and empty. Disappointed, they returned home and began spreading rumors that our sorcery, alchemy, noetics, tectonics, and astrology workshops do not even exist. Hakim Melchior steps down off the stage and Mage Gasper moves forward and speaks in a melodious voice. In order to revive the flow of visitors, our nomocratic prefect, the Monsieur Chris Kringleson, has decreed that every year on the winter solstice we will distribute an updated almanac containing articles on our research, star charts, current maps of ley lines, and geomantic fluctuations, and a mail-order catalog of our latest inventions. Therefore, our second gift unto ye today is a copy of this year's almanac. At the back we have a current list of all the known elf communities in Vinland that will be receiving a free almanac this upcoming winter solstice. This knowledge base is for non-military purposes only. Weaponizing our ideas is forbidden. So remember, we are making this list and checking it twice to ensure that all those receiving these almanacs are truly committed to playing nice with our new technologies. Likewise, naughty elves who dabble with necromancy or carelessly release toxins into the environment or provoke unjustifiable wars will be removed from this list. Mage Gasper steps down, and Sage Balthazar replaces him on the stage. Finally, since those gifts already mentioned are not enough to stuff those stockings full, we added a special treat from the North Pole for the children, a sweetened mint stick with a hook on the end. 
The little elf children burst into a joyful noise as they dig their hands into the nearest stocking and pull out candy canes. They are made from two sprigs of peppermint, one red, the other white, twisted together, soaked in sweetened honey water, and sun-baked until crispy. These original candy canes were not edible. The children all quiet down to suck on their treat and chew on the ends without swallowing. Now that the three wise elves have finished, all eyes look up to Lynx, who is still sitting at the lip of the aqueduct, awkwardly waiting for something. Feeling the audience's attention on him, he waves at them. The crowd is about to leave when a Justiciar League officer comes shooting down the aqueduct headfirst, barely managing to keep his face above water. Lynx bounds to his feet and lets the officer zing past him, splashing down into the reflecting pool below. While the Justiciar League officer flopping around in the pool draws the crowd's attention, few notice that the water from the aqueduct suddenly stops flowing. Taking his cue, Lynx sets the dwarven shield down and positions it above the black flame brazier. In a few moments, a stream of amber liquid flows down the empty aqueduct. With the shield, Lynx diverts its flow into the black flame brazier. Snap, crackle, and pop! The black flame fizzles out. When they notice the black flame has been quenched, an uproar surges through the crowd. Some elves are relieved, finally able to voice their fears about the black flame. Others writhe with indignation at the quashing of a gift dedicated to the statue of Thor. Arguments break out throughout the plaza. A few elders call it sacrilege and demand atonement with Lynx's blood. To make matters worse, two humans come sliding down the aqueduct and get dumped in the reflecting pool soon after Lynx himself jumps down into it. New outrage flares up. How did those humans get here? What are they doing in our water? It's not a swimming pool. It is the primary source of drinking water and aesthetic peace for the colony. Now confusion reigns. Seeing Florence, the Justiciar League officer trudges out of the pool and says to her, panting, The goblin! The goblin killed your father! <laughs>